Steps on, going for Fitzgerald, touchdown Arizona. David Johnson off to the races. He will score, touchdown Arizona. And it is Patrick Peterson who comes up with the spectacular interception. Welcome to episode 91 of the British Bird Gang Breakdown. And it seems weird to say this, but we're finally getting the NFL draft to take our minds off of the hellhole that is 2020. Um, rejection. We uh, prefer pee-pee-soaked heck hole. Mock drafts can have a day or two off, and hopefully the Arizona Cardinals can get themselves some difference makers over these next couple of days. As ever, I'm Tom, and I'm joined by Callum to try and make sense of everything going on. Hi Tom, how's it going? Surviving. <laughs> survive i mean surviving is a very different context to uh, when we last recorded um so i'm glad to hear that we've got something to take our minds off of stuff at the moment you know considering that the draft is actually going ahead and and actually you know since last time we've recorded there's been times when it looked like it might not actually go ahead at all but i mean thankfully it is you know free agency managed to go ahead somehow yeah indeed even without um you know, people travelling all over the place that managed to go ahead. So, yeah, I think it'll be an interesting draft to watch, at least. Before we get into the draft for this episode, we've got a bit of news to talk about. Although it's technically news we already knew, but it's actually official now. Yeah, I think it was it was news we discussed last time, but um, absolutely, uh, it's been made official that the uh, Hopkins trade is actually through. Um, we got away with daylight robbery. Exactly, yeah. We had to wait for the pair to pass physicals to make the deal official. But that happened a few days back now, so DeAndre Hopkins is officially an Arizona Cardinals player, and the other dude involved isn't. <laughs> Was that actually meant to say dude in the script, or did you write out dud? Because um, I, both of those are, are quite nice there. I mean, it was supposed to be dude, but you know, dud, basically. That does cover it, really, yeah. No, absolutely, and um, you know, now, now there's talks of uh, all the contract extensions and things like that that need to go through. And how much was it again for, for the Hopkins extension? Well, I mean, there's talk of the extension worth in the region of $20 million a year. You know, even though it's not particularly necessary at the moment because he's got three years on the deal, it seems likely it'll, something will happen because that was one of the reasons we were able to get him from Houston because they wouldn't pay him. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, you know, if, if he's been restless and trying to get out of there because he's not being paid, then I, I think you know it should be kind of priority number one to ensure he's at least happy on the deal that we give him. I think it would make him the highest paid wide receiver in the league, so, you know. That being said, you know, we've we've had a history of giving, you know, guys a, a huge amount of money. Like, we've been paying um, Patrick Peterson for years as one of the highest corners in the league. Um, So, you know, now that he's kind of fallen out of favour, then maybe there's money being freed up for uh, for Hopkins and so on. I mean, it would free up money as well if Larry Fitzgerald ever retired, but we can't see that happening anytime soon. I mean, frankly, I don't want to free up that money, but yes, I agree. That would that would uh, give us a bit more money. I mean, you've got to get your money where you can these days. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I think, honestly, at the moment, it's talks of it. I wouldn't be surprised if the front office manages to put in a a more sort of performance-based incentive um, as opposed to the 20 million a year uh, just like flat extension 
um, maybe tries to put together a package like that, you know, a, a kind of prove that you're worth it deal, um, rather than just signing them up for, you know, three year insane contract. But I guess that's that's going to be news for the next podcast by that time. I wonder if it'll be by next time because that'll be our draft recap podcast. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that'll be uh, sooner than than usual. I mean, sometime in the future, we'll probably talk about it. DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> extension but you know who knows when the season's going to start or what it's going to look well, like well that's that's absolutely true um for for once in an off season we've actually got a lot to talk about i guess for now it's our, our kind of traditional thing to talk about and, and actually talk about the draft which is quite exciting yeah but you know gone is the glitz glamour and razzmatazz of usual nfl drafts instead conducted <laughs> from the basement of nfl commissioner roger Goodell's house oh dear yeah um i mean it's a bit of a shame almost because this year it was going to be in las vegas and there was talk of like the draftees getting to ride across one of the hotel pools and jet skis when they get picked um and all sorts of crazy stuff like that and, and unfortunately we're not going to see that at least for now i'm um, hopefully they they bring it back to vegas next year because i would love to see how crazy it gets there that being said, this is going to be weird. Um, I, I've heard that the the system has like four backups. They're doing it across Zoom and Teams and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's going to be like weird because I saw a picture the other day of like for the New York Giants at least. They got guys across the entire states. Like we got guys in Texas, guys in California. Guys up the East Coast, guys up the West Coast. Well, it's it, all over the place. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because you've got all these guys who are coming to work for a team, and it's, you know, just because they're working for New York doesn't mean they're from New York. And then all of a sudden, you know, everyone's gone back to their their real home, as it were, um, for the lockdown. And, and you get, yeah, you get that situation where, as you said, you get people from, you know, Texas all the way up to Detroit uh, and all the way across the country that are, you know, having to call in together. So it'll be, um, I imagine, quite a stressful IT event. And also for the prospects, because usually you have them in the green room, don't they? But this year it's like 53, I think. They've got like some sort of like personal home studio sort of thing. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that the draft is almost one of those events that's best suited to this because there's always been, you know, war rooms connect, connected remotely and they've always had a certain number of the drafts. You know, the guys that you're like, oh, they could go first round, but they might not that don't get invited to the green room but still get the cameras in the house so you know this is something that's almost kind of bread and butter for what they're doing but yeah it'll be a, a heck of a lot of uh, cameras to coordinate it's definitely going to be a weird one to follow suffice to say oh definitely um i'm going to be setting up with a beer for it i'm sure i mean definitely for day one day two i'm not so sure because you know we've only got the third round pick as we talk at the moment so don't know if i fancy being up to like three o'clock just for one pick I'll find that out in the morning. Well, that's, I mean, that's the uh, real question for when you're watching the regular draft anyway, because there's always the chance that we trade away our, our first round pick and go later, as happened, I think, in 2017 draft, I want to say. Um, I remember staying up for that, and I think the Cardinals were picking like 20th and then traded up to 31st or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's always a case, but, you know, it's the first day of the draft, so you kind of don't mind that, really. Oh, I, th- I think it's always interesting regardless, but um, yeah, it will be very, very strange, that'll be sure, and, I, and I'll be certain there will be plenty of um, weird gaffes, odd things to, uh, to, to watch, weird camera angles and um, equipment malfunctions, so it will be um, 
a quite spectacular uh, failure in, in a lot of ways, I imagine. I would be happy if we do pick early or actually pick at 8th, though, because then it just means to go straight to bed. Yeah, I mean, I think if we pick at 8th, that puts the pick at, like, 2 in the morning, which is a bit more reasonable. Yeah, something like 2, 2.30, something like that. Yeah, somewhere in that region. Um, so that's not too bad. I would definitely take that. But I guess, you know, that, well what on earth are we going to do with the 8th round pick? I think there's a lot of uh, different ways we could go with it. Yeah, well, I mean, I've picked out three different, well, three ways which we could potentially go with the 8th overall pick. And, of course, the most popular one seems to be going for an offensive tackle. Yeah, we did uh, We did talk about this a bit in the last podcast, and it seems as though that uh, trend has kind of continued since then, that uh, offensive tackle would probably be the, the best way to be going. Although since then we have signed both Justin Murray and Marcus Gilbert, so right tackle isn't particularly a need at the moment. Although we could actually address it with a better talent than them too. That's what I was going to say. You know, the, those guys have both been re-signed, and and I think especially you know last year they were they provided a decent amount of of uh, of protection there. And I think you know as we talked about before, the offensive line as a whole unit definitely improved last year. That being said, there's a huge amount of room for improvement still and i think you know if you can bring in a young guy uh through the draft who's going to be not only you know ideally as we as we've always said first round you want somebody that's plug in and play you know not only somebody who's going to help us now but who's going to be there to help us in the next three four five years well, yeah exactly because the first round pick you get the fifth year option as well so it's worth getting someone like that on the cheap especially when we'll have to pay Kyler Murray by the end of his contract. Well, well, exactly. You know, if we're starting to think about the fact that we've got, you know, Kyler Murray currently on year one, potentially, well, probably through to year five at this point, I think we need to start be thinking about, <laughs> is he going to be asking for a, a lot, lot of money from us in four years' time? But then again, four years down the line, you have no idea of what the salary cap's going to be then, do you? Could be like some like $250 million, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely likely to evolve, and and probably the rules around it will evolve as well. Especially as we're seeing sort of, you know, more and more of these um, skill position players getting these record contracts. You know, it's almost like every month there's a new record-breaking uh, RB contract or wide receiver contract or something like that. So you know, there's a there's a lot of money being thrown around, and I'm sure it'll the the governance will be having to catch up with that soon. But I still think, you know, regardless, as you said, if you can lock up one of these um, offensive tackles, a key component of your offense, just a, a you know, linchpin that the whole offense can work around. If you can get one of those guys in, lock them in for five years, lock them in for cheap, then you've got a, a really interesting building point or, or, or a base to build from uh, for the rest of the offense. Well, yeah, because you've got DJ Humphreys on the left side for like three years, so be nice to have bookends for that period of time yeah absolutely and you know the more that you get these guys working together the better they work to work together as a unit so um i think definitely that is one of the things that's driving you know the, this offensive tackle pick as a as a sort of first rounder yeah and then looking at the picks who we could potentially make it eight looking at the teams above us there could be maybe one or two of them gone so I think we'd have at least two or three of the top four prospects at the position to choose from, should we wish to do so. Yeah, I think it's quite a deep draft for offensive tackle, really. I mean, we could pick one up on day two with our third round pick, but would he be any better than Gilbert or Murray? 
you just have to weigh that up, don't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm sure, you know, as we've always said, and every time we've covered the draft, we've talked about this, you absolutely take the best guy that is left, you know, in first round, especially when you're picking this early in the first round, you take the best guy that's left as provided he's not playing a position that you're stacked at already. But I think, you know, any of these four guys, so we're talking, you know, um, Jedrick Wills being one, uh, Tristan Wirfs, Mickey Becton and Andrew Thomas, right? Yeah, that's right. Although Becton did, I think he failed a drugs test at the combine. So that could hit his stock a little bit. <laughs> Depends which drugs test he failed. I'm not sure. I think it was a diluted one or something like that. Maybe he mm. had too much water. I definitely read about that about someone. It might have been him. It might have been someone else. I think these things, they come down to the individual teams, but um, you know the Cardinals have been known for giving some of these guys a bit of a chance. You know, Look at the Honey Badger, for instance. He was uh, His draft stock fell massively um, because of the, the sort of partying and stuff he was doing at college. And um, Sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, look at Daryl Washington, for instance. That one didn't work out in the end. I always wonder what happened to that guy. If only there was some sort of show that was tracking what happened with him. Could have had to do a thingy before long. Like, sort of, where the hell is he? Do it as a spec. Next time we've got an episode where we've only got like a little bit of uh, time left or so, we can do that. Do a count-up of how long he's been out of the league for. <laughs> God knows how long that would be now. We need to get that eye on Springfield MP3 back in there. Some vintage flashbacks for the older viewers. Or listeners, rather. <laughs> But yeah, the thing is, would either of these offensive tackles be a day one starter? And, you know, with the off-season off as it might be at the moment, you just don't know, do you? Well, that's, you know, that's one of the big risks, I guess, that you're taking at, at the moment. And it's, it's like, when will the... Uh when will the the season go ahead? Because, you know, if the season's going to be delayed by a month, which I don't think there's really any talk of that at the moment, but you've got a contingency plan for it, then you've got, you know, an extra month to get these guys ready. Um, I reckon that, you know, out of these four guys, they're all, you know, four really good college players. They've all got excellent records. But one of the issues with um, offensive line, particularly coming from college to the NFL, is genuinely the the weight and size gap is massive the average you know weight um height etc of linemen on both sides of the ball in college is something like 30 percent smaller than it is in the nfl so even when you take the biggest guys out they've still got to bulk up they're still got to um train to be ready for the size of defensive linemen that they're going to be facing in the nfl so i, I haven't taken you know a particularly um in-depth look at any of these guys but i think that that would be the biggest thing holding any one of them back from being a day one starter also the fact that we kind of suck at drafting defensive linemen this is absolutely true our, our um, record at drafting these guys is not particularly good that being said, um, for the... If you look at the ones we've taken early in the past, we've had, like, Levi Brown, Jonathan <laughs> Cooper, you know. Oh, the gallery of shame. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. That being said, this is the first draft that we've been going into for many years when I can remember people being positive on Steve Kime. I'm sure that'll soon end, like, sometime in the early hours of Friday morning. <laughs> As, as long as we don't draft a punter or something like that, I imagine that I'll still be okay with them for now. Another position where we could potentially spend the eighth pick is on wide receiver. Although, I can see why people think this isn't a good idea right now. Having just traded for Hopkins and possibly be about to sign him to 
a monster contract. And additionally, being a team with Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk, do and Andy Isabella as well, a fan favorite Andy Isabella. Um, do we need to get a wide receiver in? Well, I mean, you can see it as a need, but you can also see there is not a need because you know, as you say, we spent second round on wide receiver in 2018 with Christian Kirk. We did the same in 2019 with Andy Isabella, and now in 2020 we use the second round to, to get. DeAndre Hopkins. So, you know, maybe it's a sort of luxury pick to take a wide receiver at eight. But how many years does Larry Fitzgerald have left? Yeah, that's very true, actually. At, at the end of the day, though, I think uh, with your first round pick, you know, you are you really are building for the current year. You know, we're, if, if you're spending a first round pick, it is on someone who is going to make an immediate difference in 2020. And I think with the stock that we have just now, and the fact that Larry Fitzgerald has signed on for this year, I can't see us going for it. That being said, you know, as you said, Fitzgerald, how many more years has he got in him? Who knows? We've got these these uh, three guys that you listed there just now. We've got Kirk and Isabella and Hopkins. Um, but, you know, you need four wide receivers out on the field quite often, and, and it could be good to get another guy in. I, I don't know how much... Um, particular talent there is out there apart from uh yon cd lamb that we've been talking about i mean it's cd lamb or bust at this point (laughs) i am actually what are the chances of him falling that far i i imagine that must be quite slim at that point well i mean it's only eight and if you think about the guys talking about going above him you know that's like the quarterbacks yep no one's actually thinking of taking a wide receiver that early maybe thinking us or like Ninth, tenth, maybe onto wide receiver. I mean, this is where we're really missing. You know, there's the fact where where coronavirus is um, changing the dynamic a little bit because at this point you would start to know a little bit more about who was talking to who because movement can be can be seen. You know, you can be like, ah, yeah, CD Lamb, we saw him going to talk to the Cardinals and all that sort of stuff. Whereas this stuff can now be done. You know, uh, not the physical uh, side of it, but the the interviews and so on can all be done over Skype and Zoom and all that good stuff. So this is where I would love to be able to lean back and say like, ah, yes, we've been talking to CD Lamb, so it's possible that if he falls that far, we would pick him up. But we just don't know that now, you know? It's so different. You did meet with CD Lamb at the Combine, though. We know that for sure, because it was in the latest episode of Flight Plan, which I'm sure everyone's watched by now. Flight Plan is good these days, actually, yeah. No, as um, So we do know that they've been they've been speaking to him as far back as the combine but additionally you know the combine you really want to get in as many different interviews as you can really yeah well i mean like the episodes did show several different prospects who we've not actually heard being linked before but now obviously they're linked because we've seen them meeting with the cardinal because flight plan has released it yeah no i i think um i think cd lamb would be a nice pick there i do also think that it would potentially be a bit of a waste um, given some of the other needs that we have and some of the other um, guys that are on the board. That being said, would not be upset. <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely going forward with a group of DeAndre Hopkins, the CD Lamb, Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella. That'd be a joy to watch in seeing opposing defences trying to struggle to contain them all. I think one of the things I love about that group is the fact that each of them almost has brings a, a different skill into it. You know, you got Andy Isabella with the kind of the raw speed and you got um DeAndre Hopkins with his sort of athleticism and uh Christian Kirk with his just ridiculous uh, jumping around to catch the ball. So 
I think that would just be a, a a real fun watch, especially with Kyler Murray being able to throw it all over the field. Exactly. Imagine scoring like forty plus points every single week. Oh, it would be a joy. It would be a joy. Granted, it'd be impossible to decide which would be the game of the season, though. <laughs> we just have to count it up by total offensive yards. It's like, oh, we'll just give it to the game against the Seahawks. Or even, like, choosing MVPs and Offensive Player of the Year sort of thing. You know, how do you choose? Well, I mean, I can think of worse conundrums to have than which one do you like the best, you know, because <laughs> they're all doing so well. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, that would be a very exciting, uh, exciting pick in there. And so going from one of the more exciting picks to the pick, a pick which I don't think is too exciting, and that would be if we took defensive tackle Derek Brown at number eight. You know, it's not to say that I hate the selection, or that I just prefer other options. I have to agree with you. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where, as Cardinals fans, we have been burned quite a few times with uh, a defensive tackle pick in the first round. You don't need to remind anyone about Robert Kimdichie, do we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's one of those things where it's a really difficult position to get uh, immediate impact in. Same as I was talking about with the offensive linemen. You know, they've got the same um, size differential issues and things like that with the NFL. But, you know, we've had particularly bad luck with it. Um, and additionally, it's just one of those positions that's a bit less of an obvious difference maker, I think. I mean, like, if it's like a really defense like a dominant defensive guy, like someone like Nick Bosa last year or Chase Young this year, then obviously you're going to make that pick, aren't you? But Derek Brown, I just don't see it. I can see why they would pick him. I just don't think I'd pick him if it was my choice. Yeah, he's not He's not producing this, like, you know, really, really exciting footage, like, as you said, Nick Bosa did last year, um, where there's you know, heads being knocked off of dummies and things like that, and basically whole defenses riding off the back of him. And for sure, excellent college career. But yeah, I would I would have to agree with you that it's just the least exciting one for me. I mean, offensive tackle is not particularly exciting either, but you can see the merits behind making that selection. Well, I think offensive tackle just has the more need for it at the moment. Um, and just given that all of the all of the building you know of the offense recently has been around kyler murray and getting him that protection i think would be would lead to more excitement in the end as well whereas on the defensive side i think there's a lot more work needs done in a lot more places and even if you put in a guy who's particularly good at at defensive tackle then you might still not see an immediate impact because the rest of that whole uh, unit needs to be tightened up anyway I mean, there are a couple of defensive players which have been falling recently in mock drafts, which, if they were available at eight, then I think you'd have to take them over anyone, really. And that's the guys like Jeffrey Akuda and Isaiah Simmons. I think Isaiah Simmons in particular, you know, that would be... I've, I have seen some mock drafts uh, sending him all the way down to us, but um, I, I think it would be an outside chance. And as you said, you know, that's the kind of one that you just have to pounce on if it happens, right? Yeah. Should we talk about some mock drafts? Because I've got a list of a few picks here, what I've seen in the most recent mock drafts. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's interesting watching them evolve over time, and I would definitely recommend people to... Uh, you know, check them out. Actually, I'm going to quickly see if The Athletic has one for us while you go through those ones. I'd assume The Athletic does, because that has everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, as you mentioned before, Isaiah Simmons, he was the pick in Peter King's most recent mock draft after he fell to number eight. Everyone would be delighted with that pick, I'm sure. And Peter King's actually generally had some 
good mock drafts. Yeah, I mean, a few of them do, so better than me, but, you know, that's not saying much. NFL.com's got various ones. They've got Derek Brown, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, the, the usual sort of guys that have been linked to us for, like, the whole period of the draft. I would say, um, yeah, the the athletics uh, big one here seems to be uh, given as Wills there in the first round as well. I mean, it's interesting that people say Wills because whether you believe him or not, John Gambadora, who seems to be like a radio personality in Arizona, who people either love or hate, you know. <laughs> Is he one of those guys, a bit of a polarizer? Yeah, people hate him, people love him, you know. He seems to say that Jedrick Wills isn't a guy we'd pick at number eight. Interesting. Does he have a have a theory as to why that is? I, don't know, I just think he's not on our board, maybe. Or this player's much higher rated. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Everyone's favourite pro football focus has us taking Tristan Wirfs at number eight and Ross Blacklock in the third round. Speaking of uh, polarising ones, yeah. I always wonder with uh, pro football focus if they don't throw in one that's a bit more controversial, I guess. But um, yeah, I guess Tristan Wirfs is... is you know, been around generally there. You know, we've we've seen him all over the shop, really. Uh, and again, as you said, one of those guys that's been tied to us since the combine, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hate the pick at number eight, but you know, if it happens, it happens, and just hope he manages to protect Kyler. So really, the only one at the, so far. So Peter King has said Isaiah Simmons, which is the different one, and then everyone else has us taking offensive tackle or defensive tackle, yeah, or sorry, defensive tackle, yeah. There was one I spotted from Walter Football. They did have us taking Jeffrey Akuda. That requires quite a big fall, I guess. But, um, you know, as, as we said, if either Simmons or Akuda are there, then that seems like a, a must pick, really. Exactly. I mean, I've got my top five picks. But, you know, if either of them two are there, I'd take them over them easily. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you have to go with talent. And, and that's, you know, really what these guys have done there. Whereas CBS has gone with the uh, the boring old Tristan Wirfs again. I say boring old. Again, would not be too upset with Tristan Wirfs at eight, but um, definitely seems to be the, the consensus that we're heading into um, offensive tackle. But in short, really, nobody knows what the fuck we're doing. So, you know. Well, exactly. I seem to remember last year our pre, uh, pre-draft podcast was quite considerably that we were not going to be going with Kyler Murray. And yet there we were, taking him, first pick. Yeah, exactly. So it just shows how much you can trust our opinion. And speaking of our opinion... I do think we were biased last year, though, because we owned Josh Rosen jerseys. So, or at least I did. (laughs) Yeah, you did. I've decided to never own another real player jersey again after Michael Floyd. I mean, that's a wise decision. We should all follow in that example. (laughs) Yeah, so I just get fun ones made up now. Yeah, as you're saying, speaking of people who know best, you know, why not talk to some Cardinals fans who know best, like us? We know who the shot Cardinals should draft better than any of these experts. Steve Kime, hit us up. You know, we can uh, we can show you how our mock draft went. Um, happy to be in the war room in the, in the call. You know, just uh, just need to get the old Zoom functioning, and then we're good to go for sure. But you know, for now, we'll do our own live mock draft. We'll kick it off using the Draft Network's mock draft machine, which I think is probably the best one of them all. Okay, so at pick eight, we've got a choice of Tristan Wirfs, Mackay Beckton, Andrew Thomas, or Derek Brown as a top four pick. So basically, at this point, we have 
the offensive tackles and the defensive you tackles. You could also take C.D. Lamb because, you know, why not? Should we go with a, our, our fun picks? I think last year we went with some fun picks for, for that, just to see what would happen. Yep, so C.D. Lamb is our pick at number eight, to the dismay of many, but to the joy of many more. <laughs> to, to the joy of us, that's the main thing. And now we have to wait ages because we don't have a second round pick. Although I do have it on fast, so it shouldn't take too long. Yeah, we'll just simulate through the other picks at least. Actually, yeah, where where did our potential picks end up? Where did uh, you know Beckton and, and Brown and um, Worfs end up? Wills went to Denver. Thomas went to Tampa Bay. Tristan Worfs went to Cleveland. Beckton went to New York Jets. But all plausible, I assume. Yeah, definitely plausible. Honestly, I think that if you're in the lower half of the table, you could always be doing with more offensive linemen. We do have a choice for round three, though, now. And we've got Ashton Davis is a safety. Lucas Niang is an offensive tackle. Devon Hamilton's another defensive lineman. Cam Akers at running back. Or Curtis Weaver, who's an edge rusher. Um, well, I guess if we didn't go with offensive tackle last round, then taking, was it Niang, an offensive tackle? Yeah, that could be a good pick. I think, you know, we might as well, you know, serve the need, right? Actually have a draft for need because... You might miss on talent. But I think we're probably about the same there. That being said, we're now already deep enough in the draft that I didn't recognise any of those names. You're not been researching enough, that's the problem. <laughs> to be fair, if you by the time you get round to like early third round, there's already been like seventy or eighty guys gone. That's true. Because yeah, second our second pick is actually seventy second overall. So it's like, yeah, seventy other players have been drafted ahead of them. Uh, our fourth round pick is now in and we've got options again hit me up, who have we got? we could go for another offensive lineman in Ben Barch we could get a tight end in Hunter Bryant or Devin Assi Khalid Kareem's an edge rusher and so is Alex Highsmith I think we should go for the offensive lineman here Um, yeah I'd be tempted to as well tight end is just one of those positions that I think we've never really worked out how we're using and especially given that the the offense is evolving i think it's better to get you know maybe a, a more experienced guy in there edge rushers very tempting i have to say but um especially given that they were now in is this the fourth round yeah this is the fourth our first fourth round pick yes. yeah especially in, as we're now in the fourth round um you know these guys are are unlikely to be playing year one um so I'd be tempted to bring in an offensive lineman for now, just to, you know, really get the get that stable built up. And that guy's not too bad actually. He's a division three prospect though, so could take time for him to actually adjust to the NFL. But that, I think that's what he'll have at this point. You know, he will have time to make that happen. It's true. Plus, he can play inside as well, so he's not just a tackle. He could play guard, which is good. The sort of thing we like in our team. Second, fourth round pick. Uh, Daylight Robbed from the Texans. We do have options for this one as well, but I don't want to pronounce this guy's name because it's really long, and I'll probably butcher it massively. I think if you if you give it your best shot, we can we can go with it. Albert Okwui Boonam. He's a tight end. I hope we don't draft him because I'd hate saying that every single week. <laughs> we just learn it phonetically. Uh, we could have another wide receiver in Colin Johnson, uh, Gabriel Davis. Could go for the running back, Anthony McFarland. A safety, Kenny Robinson. It just names at this point, though, really. 
Well, I guess, you know, so out of a, a tight end, which we've kind of already dismissed a little bit there, although second, fourth round pick, maybe a gamble is worth it. Um, wide receiver, we've already taken one, and it was already quite a full position anyway, so I'd say we leave that out. Um, running back could be good to get a bit of depth there. Um, that being said, we've made a lot of changes at running back this season, so unless he is exactly what we're looking for, um, I suspect that he wouldn't be about there, which leaves, well, to me, it's either a choice between the tight end or the safety. The running back doesn't sound too bad. I'm just reading his scouting report, where apparently he's really quick and elusive. So if he gets into the open field, he could be a true home run hitter. I would kind of hope that any running back would be quick and elusive. It's kind of the job description. Well, I mean, you do get bigger backs like David Johnson who can't run. That is true. You get you get power backs, but um, I mean, it's, if if you're up for taking a, a running back again, I mean, it's I think that the running back room is going to be chaos this year. I think it'll be an interesting one to watch. Um, but you know, bringing in a young guy, maybe somebody to, somebody else to compete for the uh, position. The competition seemed to work well last year. Well, I mean, we got Kenyon Drake there and Chase Edmonds, obviously. DJ Foster's back on a one year deal. But I do think that um, you know. Uh, Drake functioned really well under an environment where he was competing for the job every week. Yeah, that's true. Plus, he only had to beat out David Johnson. It's not like he that is true. Team. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I wish that uh, us like three years ago could hear us talking about the way that we do t- talking about him the way that we do. You'd have thought it, eh? You're now the most hated person in Arizona, maybe. <laughs> Unless someone has any other suggestions, I'm sure. God, there's too many wide receivers at this point now. Literally every option is wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, cornerback, safety, offensive tackle. I wouldn't be too against taking another cornerback, or at least it, like because the nice thing about college DBs, you know, safeties and and uh, cornerbacks and everything like that, is that to some extent they can kind of mold between the different positions. You know, it's it's rare that you find a guy who's so cemented into being you know, say a, a right cornerback or a left cornerback or whatever, that they stay that way. I think that, you know, that any any of those guys could be moved around to any position of need. There is one guy who looks a decent prospect here, though. Tanner Muse, a safety from Clemson. Okay. I think he could be a pick we could make with this six-round selection. I think we've got two in the sixth round, actually. Yeah, I think we've got two fours and two sixes. So, yeah, let's let's take a safety. I'll take Muse. I'm sure we can think of some puns as well for his name. Yeah, exactly. And our second, and then this is a seventh round pick now, actually. Pick 222, and that's basically all wide receivers again. Who's got Who's got the most fun name? Because we'll just take them. The cornerback named AJ Green. Ooh, that would be confusing. It would be if we had the wide receiver AJ Green, but we don't, so let's draft him. <laughs> just to say that the Cardinals have picked up AJ Green in the offseason. Exactly. It'd be clickbait, wouldn't it? It would be good clickbait. There was actually a cornerback called Lamar Jackson as well. How strange. It'd be um, ideal if he could pick off the the quarterback, Lamar Jackson. It would be, but the thing is, I don't think we'd play the Bengals for another four years at this point, so that would be like a long time to wait for that joke. So for this mock draft, we got C.D. Lamb at wide receiver at number eight, Lucas Niang offensive tackle at 72, Ben Barch, the offensive tackle at 114, Anthony McFarland, the running back at 131. Tanner Muse, a safety at 202. And at 222, we took AJ Green, cornerback. 
Who who went as uh, Mr. Irrelevant in that draft? Do you get to see there? A guy named Mitchell Wilcox, tight end. Man to watch. Probably won't do anything in the league like most Mr. Irrelevant. At least he'll get a little parade, you know. Will he, though? (laughs) Yeah, that's a a very good point. Can you imagine being Mr. Irrelevant and missing out on your parade? Oh, that'd be a shame. You'd still get the jersey, though, I'm sure. Yeah, you'd get the jersey. 255 on the basketball. That's about it. Oh, well. Yeah, good mock draft, I think. Um, I'd be happy if it went that way. I mean, taking CD Lamb at eight, as you said, it would make a lot of people very angry, but I think it's the most exciting one, so I'm quite happy doing that. Um, I think it's it's obviously, it would be a shame, you know, given the talent that we left on the board to do that, given all those offensive tackles that we could have picked. But again, most exciting one, I'll take it for now. We did take offensive linemen later, though, so... They, those people can be quieter for a bit. <laughs> we did we did actually address that need. But yeah, I think um, you know if we've got basically any of the guys we discussed, I don't think there's any picks that I would be particularly upset about at the moment. I mean, I would be upset if they traded down and like got someone really. Like, not as good as like if they'd stayed where they are, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that would be a shame. I mean, it would depend what we got in the trade. You know, if it was something like, uh, if it was if it was an unbalanced trade, like getting DeAndre Hopkins for a second round pick, um, then I'd be happy with it. But usually, you know, draft trade night, draft night trades tend to go picks for picks. But um, yeah, I think uh, at the moment, be quite quite happy with anyone. I mean, if someone wanted to offer the twenty twenty one first round pick, I wouldn't complain to move down a few spots, but. I can't see that happening. I think the problem with offering, yeah, the problem with offering a, a 2021 first round pick is that uh, it really could be anywhere. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. If it's for a bad team, you know, it could be a top like five pick again. That is true. Yeah, would be could be quite nice to see that, but um, could be uh, it'll be an interesting watch anyway. I'm I'm looking forward to the draft this year. I think, uh, as you said, it'll be a nice distraction from everything that's going on. I mean, I always look forward to the draft. To be fair even though it means staying up till God knows whenever, just to see a name read out on a card, or whatever it is this year. Yeah, exactly. But I'm sure there'll be um, plenty of discussion and things like that going on um, on all the various British Bird Gang channels. The ones that we should be plugging right now. The ones that we should plug right now. Yep, so of course, if you're not following us on Twitter, go follow us at British Bird Gang. If you're on Facebook, join us at facebook.com forward slash British Bird Gang. And join the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash British Bird Gang. You'll find us on, on Facebook. Uh, if you want to buy a t-shirt, head over to britishbirdgang.tml.com. And of course, thanks for listening to this podcast. And join us again next week or whenever for our next episode where we review the NFL draft. Yeah. We'll try and get an episode done next week and uh, and talk about it. And hopefully, I, I can't imagine that it will be quite the same excitement and energy levels that we had last year. But I'm looking forward to it nonetheless. Unless it's CD Lamb. And... Unless it's CD Lamb, in which case we might be quite excited, absolutely. But then our excitement will be curtailed because there'll be no NFL season. <laughs> Just watch, it will happen. All right, well, for that then, um, yeah, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye.